Hello and welcome to This Is Your Life Path, a podcast where I sit down with tabletop game designers and we have a chat about all of the things that have influenced and inspired them away from the tabletop world. I'm your host Kayla, I'm a game designer myself and I publish as Ratwave Game House. I do games all about connection and alienation. I am currently running a sale on three of my games, Transgender Deathmatch Legend, The Infinite Dance Floor, and Old Gods and Young Guns. You can get them bundled together for $22 over on Itch. Now this episode today is slightly different from how other ones have worked in the sense that we did this over two separate recording periods, we took a break in the middle, and the recording as a whole came out very long, so for that reason this episode is getting split up. So this is the first episode where we're covering our guests' life and influences, and obviously we bounce around like we always do, but then the second episode will be the focus on like specific projects and targeted questioning. Uh, I didn't know that at the time we did this, so this episode will end just kind of abruptly. But you'll hear back from this version of me, uh, you know, teasing the next one probably at the end. I should also say that this episode begins with some kind of heavy conversation. We talk about homophobia and transphobia, specifically we talk about like a homophobic murder, and there is a reference to having attended recent vigils in the UK about like the murder of a trans teenager. So, yeah, I wanted to give a warning on that, because it's quite a heavy beginning to the episode. If you want to skip over that, um, those conversations are contained kind of to the first ten minutes, or you just may feel better knowing that they're coming. With that said, we will now jump into the episode. My guest today is the creator of The Connection Machine, Be Seeing You, and Lo by Dread Empire. Welcome to the show, Tanya Floker. Thank you. Hi. It's great, Hi. great to be here. Thank you for having me on. Would you like to introduce yourself in a bit more depth, tell people what you're about? Yeah, I guess. Um, my name's Tanya Floker. I'm based out of Edinburgh in Scotland. Um, I've been gaming now for, oh my word, it must be coming on. Ooh. Uh, too many years since I was nine years <laughs> older than 41. Um, I, yeah, I just done a complete blame, brain burp. Um, I'm blaming it on the COVID. So I've been having a lot of those recently. So, um, yeah, um, I'm sure lots of people are. Uh, so, yeah, um, I, I guess when it comes to games design, and role play games at large. Uh, I'm involved locally with uh, a local indie and small press games club called the Edinburgh Indie Gamers. Um, we're a collectively ran club dedicated to playing small press and indie titles. Uh, so, sort of stuff that often there's maybe one or two people at a bigger club that want to play, but you can never quite get the right people or get the interest come to come to indie gamers and we do nothing but that stuff um so involved with organizing that i uh i'm one of the mods on uh rpg creation over on reddit and uh i also try and write my own games uh, that's why i'm chatting with you today and most of my games I, I bring in sort of ideas from from like the world at large but also a lot of my political influences uh, I'm an anarchist communist uh, politically and so that 
influences a lot of what I'm, I'm sort of writing and thinking about and as does a lot of other things in my life that we're, we're going to get to on this this wonderful show. Yeah. What I find interesting about um, a lot of your work when specifically reading credits is I feel like you have a lot of understanding of what you were you're pulling from and been influenced by. Um, it's just mm. it's interesting because I feel sometimes people don't necessarily um, aren't always aware of that. But we'll go into in-depth things. So I guess as a nice sort of starting point scene setting thing, where did you grow up originally? Oh yeah, yeah. So where I was originally born in Croydon, uh, sort of now part of South London more more officially. Um, and I lived there till I was about five. So all my sort of very early memories come from around that area. And then I, my family moved up to Perth in Scotland, where my dad was originally from. Uh, I stayed there until I was 18, just turned 18. And as soon as I could, I got the, as fast as I could out of town, uh, moved <laughs> over to Glasgow, uh, stayed there until about oh, seven, eight years ago. And then uh, I came through to Edinburgh and here I am. And in, in a lot of that time, I, I would go back to London, um, stay with family, bounce back up, that kind of thing, and done a bit of travelling as well. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Is Perth like, um, is it just, is it, It's. what's its, the size of well, Perth? I realise it's an area I don't know much about. Well, well, I think I think what, what, we should, what we should think about Perth is like the world's biggest village. Right. Okay. Um, Okay, it's like a small town that for a lot of the time when I was growing up liked to call itself a city because on the technicality it had a cathedral. And it's like, this is a small town. Stop calling it the city of Perth. And they eventually got told you don't have the, po the population, stop it. Um, so it's, it's, but at the same time, everybody is in and in amongst everyone else's business. It's very gossipy, very curtain twitchy. And so... I've actually got a whole game that, that will be coming out in the future that basically what the main influence is growing up in Perth in the 90s. Um, that it's, sounds it's really just interesting. listed right there. And it, it's not even, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a compliment to the place at all. It's a game about, it's a game, yeah, uh, it's a game about uh, basically uh, getting lots of sort of young adults, late teens, young adults, and having them vie in a contest to see who will get burned alive in a wicker man. So. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I like, I also wrote a game that was very influenced by um, growing up where I did, um, uh -huh. which is obviously in a different time period and place, but I remember it was a game that, in my opinion, was always fretted through with like a lot of anger and hate, because I don't particularly like where i grew yeah. up um you're yeah. talking to people in this podcast other people have very sort of fond memories of where they grew up not all of them but um mm. yeah do you think that sort of sense of i don't know when i reflect back on my own life i think like from a quite young age i had a sense yeah. that i was alone and that i needed mm. to get out of a place and i feel like that is something that it carries through and is in all of my work in different ways and i was wondering if you feel similarly or if you feel like your experience are maybe different yeah. in other ways well no i like i feel like growing up in perth uh, i couldn't be openly queer at all mm. 
um, and, 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 and in the ways I was and with the people I was, it was even dangerous then. Uh, so having that as a sort of like, like there was like, uh, like in the nineties, there was a gay man killed in Perth for being gay. Like that happened in, in my sort of, sort of like awareness. Mm. Uh, I'm aware of other folks who like young folk who'd killed themselves and it was like, there was like thoughts that they were closeted and, uh, and then, so you're growing up in that environment and like even just showing minor deviance from gendered norms would be enough to have you deal with like physical and psychological violence like every day. Yeah. So yeah. So with all that sort of in mind, I don't think, I, I think that, that the, the game I'm talking about winter's respite, it really took a lot of that as its main as its main crux and and uh, but also a lot of the music i was listening to at that point in my life and and the music i've listened to since it, that sort of has a thematic sort of thread or has the same energy uh, and a lot of the telly and films that sort of like just seem to to tie into it, um all all come back to to that sort of idea but i guess I guess my other the other games that I've published, not so much. Some of them are, are actually quite the opposite. Some of them are talking about how to find connection or how to how to be curious and exploratory, or, uh, and find points of solidarity and find family, um, or how mm. to to find friendship in those those tight situations. So, then do you yeah, feel it's, that it's comes whole... more from your experiences once you moved to, to Glasgow and then Edinburgh? Or is mm. it just more about, um, you know, being queer? Um... Yeah, I, th- I think there's a, there's a, I think there's definitely parts of it that if I'd stayed in Perth, part of me wonders how I would have got through it. Uh, and I don't, I, I don't think, I don't see a way I could have stayed there much longer than I did. Um, but other people did, and some people moved away later, or some people are still living there and and actually do okay there. And the place has changed. It's like, mm-hmm. isn't it? Isn't it? You have a pride event there now every year, that kind of thing. So obviously, there's been some changes. Um, yeah, so... that throws me sometimes. I saw in like the sort of you know array of vigils in the mm. UK like a few weeks ago. Yeah. I remember seeing one in like the part of Essex I grew up, and I felt I just felt like so sort of strangely confused of thinking like this will be attended by trans people yeah. who stayed in a place that to me I regarded as like the enemy of being trans, and that I foresaw as like yeah. I need to leave this, and I. I my mom asked me if I wanted to go because I was in that area. She got the mm. timing wrong, so we didn't go. But I just remember thinking, like, I think I would find it very weird to be interacting with trans people yeah. who, in some ways, did the thing that I couldn't. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's no, I, I get, I fully, I, um, I, I entirely grapple with that myself as well, and it's interesting because, uh, like, I bumped into, I, I was at a, a, a queer cabaret, uh, sort of in. Uh, event in Edinburgh uh, a few years ago, um, quite a few, about four or five years ago now, and um, 
bumped into someone from my school that we were tight we we're good friends at high school and the first thing they said to me when they turned to me was like hey uh, so so you survived <laughs> like, <"Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> you too <laughs> managed yeah. to make an escape yep and we're just like yeah it was just like this this sort of lovely little moment it felt like very real like uh, very like i don't think i've got the tone in my voice of it right today at all but it was very real and very sort of uh we just we didn't have to say much more than that we could we had such a shared shared sense of of that that place at that time yeah so i get like glad someone made it yeah and that's i guess like a lot of the the influences for this game that i'm put together that would be my my next one that i try and after after i've released the i've got a couple of games due for release this year or this coming year as it is so it'll be the next one after that uh, when yeah it's great great it has all the influences that tie into that it's sort of like if, if i was thinking films obviously the wicker man i've, I've mentioned the wicker man in it that goes 100 percent and 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 everyone's going to everyone's going to think midsummer but i actually wrote the game and then went and watched Midsummer, but it definitely plays an influence in when I was polishing it up and refining it. And um, mm. but twin, you know the Fire Walk with Me, the Twin Peaks. Oh Peak God! Yeah, 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 that's 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 a hundred percent part of it. Um, that uh, the the old sort of um, TV play Pender's Fen. If you ever get to see that, it's that's what I'm it's not sort of a, Yeah, it's sort of like a, a early part of like british folk horror or folk surrealism to begin with it's talking about um national it's, it's talking about nationalism and religion and uh like what it ties to the land and, and what it means to be living somewhere and and the differences between sort of positive and negative regard for the land and at the same time it's a coming out story of a a, a young gay boy coming to terms with the sexuality as he's growing up and um yes yeah, it's, it's really a, an interesting one uh, if you can find it worth a worth a wee shifty um and i probably also throwing cruel intentions on the film listings as well for that one because that's sort of like late teen <laughs> like like all, like almost a bit of teen drama in there um I guess though another game that does that well would be like Monster Hearts or something, but yeah, yeah. Think about like the intensity yeah. of teenage feeling in a way that's almost yes. hard to like regard when you look back at it. Yeah, yeah, entirely, and 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 sort of like so like, but like that, but maybe a bit more sort of Biker Grove and Green Chill <laughs> as well. <laughs> sort of. Yeah, those that's those a... things. Yeah, that is a, and, uh, yeah, it's an interesting. A, like um blend of influences there which will sort of make sense um in a way just for describing at least the ones i'm familiar with yeah yeah it sounds really interesting <laughs> i'm looking forward to seeing that when it comes yeah. when, yeah, you're, yeah, when you're showing more yeah but that, um that added, added a... oh yeah please go on sorry i was just gonna ask did you in that case have much of an idea of what you wanted to to be when you were growing up or was your idea more i want to be not in this place Oh, oh no no no! I, I probably had like a million different things uh, I wanted to be as I was like growing up. Uh, let's think back. There was, I think, 
uh, I want it to be a clown to start with. I thought that'd be really good. It'd be quite interesting to be like joyous and, and bring happiness to the world. Um, I want it to be a chef, probably for a similar reason. I probably like helped cook one day and then just thought, People, people like this. I'm going to do this. Um, uh, this is this is like young, young me, sort of like talking primary school sort of age. And, and then I think an architect for a while. I don't know why. I think I just enjoyed drawing buildings. <laughs> a chemical scientist. Um, yeah. And then I, I don't think it's ever really stopped because even after I've been working and doing stuff, I've like, at one point I, I, I considered... Uh, retraining to be like uh, do like religious moral education um, or I've thought about, talked with friends about starting a cooperative cafe at one point um, and I'm currently training to become a counsellor so I'm in, I'm in the midst of education as we speak so mm. oh yeah, mm. yeah. oh yeah, no, I, I, I'm actually a trained biochemist as well so <laughs> oh that's cool so, so it is a lot of that stuff, you know, I guess talking about like clowns bringing joy, chefs, you know, people liking food and wanting to, to give something, even teaching and workers' cop stuff. Like, I don't know if I, I sometimes have a tendency to try and thread things um, neatly together, um, which mm. is obviously not how things always work. But in my mind, I'm thinking like, oh, a lot of the things you describe are about giving and doing things for other people to make things easier for them. Mm. Yeah, I guess I guess I, I like I've, I I like things where I'm working uh, collectively with others as well. Um, um, I I'd be a terrible boss. Uh, I think I think that that if if I was put like hierarchically in charge, without it, it would be a bad thing. And I, I that like I just think it's just a a sort of reaction of this sort of like. The, so, the, the way in which that social structure is formed. And so I'd kind of have naturally gravitated. And as I've got older and older, it's became more and more intentional towards things where either I've not been a, a, in a managerial or, or sort of like overseeing role, um, unless it's sort of like a collectively decided, like this leadership is the rational thing and, and we're going to have that for a time. Um, uh, and I've sort of like always, but at the same time, I've kind of got sick to the back teeth of of manage people managing me. So uh, I'm, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I'm pretty sure it'll happen again, but I'll I'll deal with it. Uh, but I'm trying to f- figure out a, a, a sort of a different way to set up those those relationships with the people you're working alongside. And, do you up. feel that influences how you approach like collaboration in creative yes. projects? Oh yeah, 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 a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I've w- like I've done some some game design and and put together the sort of like art and layout myself, but I've been collaborating a lot recently uh, with a uh, uh, artist over in Finland, Julia Navillian, and her work is spectacular. Both her her sort of like tr- like traditional artwork and also her her digital art is is really really something and it's coming on leaps and bounds um and it's been such an interesting collaborative collaborative process we've we've developed because um really put into practice 
those cooperative ideas to but to the to the the sort of like fullest extent that um so when how it works is when when i'm i, I basically i'd i'd seen julia's art on instagram and uh, i fell in love with it and i ended up writing Lodi dread empire purely uh, uh like it was an idea that i'd had for for been kicking about in my head for quite a long time it had been influenced by a post back on the story games forum back when it was active in the early 2000s um that, that was a post saying it was basically there was two different posts around about the same time both talking about um if the the games design approach towards uh towards story games as they are the, the shibboleth that's broadly known of being a story game mm. is different to how a, a trad role play game is designed what would if and trad role play games are kind of related in terms of design structure to war games what would a war game that was related in design structure to the the, the methods of story game design what would that look like uh, and there was a bit of chat and some ideas and, and something pointing at some war games that may that sort of kind of had that sort of thing but I always thought there was a, something bigger there. And so it just bubbled away in the back of my head. And I had this idea and I was slowly putting it together. And I, I put together sort of like a couple pages of sort of like bi the, the basic rules. And it wasn't, it wasn't going anywhere fast. And then I seen Julia's art and I was like, I'm going to work with Julia. I'm going to write this game. Julia's going, uh, I'm going to ask, I'm going to show Julia the game and I'm going to ask her if she will do the art for this because I think it's spectacular and I want to work with her. And <laughs> as I was doing that, I'd sort of put out a feel of just saying, oh, I love your art, I'm a games designer, would it be okay to contact you in the future about working together? And she was like, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, and this is the best thing ever. Like I, I was still working away. I hadn't finished this game at all. And I was just sort of like, I'd hit, hit that sort of like a little bit of a rut. And uh, Julia drunk messages me one Friday night, <laughs> being like, like uh, Instagram message, just being like, I've been looking at your games and what you're doing. It's amazing. We definitely have to work together. I can't wait to. And I was just like, whoa. <laughs> I didn't know she was drunk at the time, but I found out later. She's just like, yeah, that was me drunk posting. <laughs> I was like, that's the best. <laughs> most fruitful fruitful sort of like not 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 texting an ex not um, yeah just setting you know. up collaboration and cahoots yeah yeah and it, so how we worked it because i'd went to her originally and i'd sort of like i was kind of roping her into my idea like i was like what we'll do is we'll set up this we'll get the game written or at least the the basics of it all written enough that we can put out a play test document you've got some art already done that can be used as concept art for this and what we'll do is we'll i'll put together a kickstarter and then that kickstarter will pay your your art at its union rate like full full rates up front and and, and it'll pay for my writing as well up front so that we both have uh, our our work properly properly paid for from that as a solid base and then and then in terms of anything else that's made from it any profit we're splitting that 50 50. it's not that i'm commissioning you to do art and then i have that art even on a 
a, a non-exclusive use just uh, that art's your art you do what you want with it and also like but everything about this project we're splitting down the middle and uh, and also when it comes to the art that you make obviously i'm writing stuff i'm writing factions for this game and and i'm writing different different ideas that, like about the world and what have you but I'll, I'll i'll just tell you how much art we need and roughly what it needs to be and then you can ask me questions and and ask other things um and i'll i'll put in a bit of input it isn't just like we're, we're working back and forth but i you have i i'm doing all the writing and and i kind of have major con the, the major share of control in that and i was like you you have the major share of control on what the art ends up being uh and that that sort of like complete sort of like you just go off and do the art and i'll see what happens and unless it's something that i'm like really really opposed to like we're just putting it in and that's how we're going to do it and it's been spectacularly successful because um we, me and trilia were just chatting about this uh last night in fact um we're both really happy with how our collaboration works because that basically we both feel like we've got a lot of freedom and that's meant that we have a lot more communication between us which has meant that and, and like the first piece of art julia did specifically for the project was like for the the revenants of the black cross it's sort of like a, imagine undead prison abolitionists um like going up against these massive horrendous like flesh prisons of like this grim dark setting anyway that basically i had no idea i get this bit oh it's like finish the first two page spread what do you think and i open up and it's spectacular it's beautiful it's like this blanchet grim grimdark like vista of like these zombies ranked up with like all black blocked up and and like ready to take on this this towering edifice before them and like these sort of like anarcho-punk ones at the front going raj and it's like oh this is so sweet and so beautiful i'm really loving it and um yeah but I, unbeknown to me uh, only Julia knew this, and Julia didn't even know before she started doing this piece of work. My setting has giants. I had no idea there were no giants written in any anything that I'd wrote. But right in the middle of this piece of artwork is this massive giant with like chains and like stuff welded and like the stuff that had been sort of melded, uh, like really nastily into its skin and there was something going on there and i was like it looked like at first it looked like it was a huge moon in the background but it was actually like like this huge rock that had chains embedded in it and these chains were like tearing into the flesh of the giant and i was like wow this is amazing i had no idea the giants and what's that on the giant's back and julia just went i don't know <laughs> <laughs> no idea and i'm like wow and we had like this like half hour conversation about what that what what had happened what it was what it could be like just being really sort of like interpretive with it and and sort of like it it, it just reminds me of that that sort of time when you i was sort of like nine ten years old and it's like the early 90s and i'm looking in like the realms of darkness books by games workshop and i'm looking at them and being like what, what's that what is that thing and it doesn't tell you anyway it's just like this baroque unusual 
alien sort of thing that's going on and you're like oh, it's just part of the setting and it, it's part of it's it's sort of like beauty and yeah we've had a lot of that going backwards and forwards and and now and again like we've needed to sort of go oh, can this change or that change but it hasn't felt difficult because we both feel like we're we're treating each other um with the respect and and of our, of our, our respective crafts and arts and um and yeah and and we just feel like it, it was so good that basically when i said do you want to do art on my next game i've kind of wrote a game again with your art in mind uh julia was like yeah and we're, we're, she's going to be doing art on a, a at least another two projects coming up hopefully if, if all things go well because we're just like we, we this collaboration just seems to be building and building and we're both really happy about where we're going with it so yeah yeah collaboration is discovery and being like a genuine uh creative team um rather than yeah something more like structured or stuff am i yeah accurate well, yeah. and i may cut this if it turns out i'm not accurate but i'm accurately like um mm. a low light dread empire um that's based mm -hmm. on the paintings but then julia is it the case that we're for the connection machine that's digital art right or have i yeah 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 absolutely yeah 100 yeah, i just found it really so interesting it... like from the collaboration of like the different formats reflecting very different two very different games yeah yeah very much so and and it's just that sort of the the way it clicked into place um was really nice because julia julia's honestly her, her traditional artwork is is just got like the the main touchstone for gamers is going to be like john blanche um but it's it's got this really just fantastic uh griminess and and sort of like yeah it, it's it's just very sweeping some of it and i, I love it uh, so much and it's it's the, the colors are warm as well it just draws you in um but the her digital work is like these these fantastically surreal like um it's like very intricate digital collage work like some some of the pieces you have to really if you want to see really what's going on behind it, it you want to like switch your screen to black and white only and so you can sort of get the contrast and start picking things out that you couldn't see right away with the full color work and yeah it's some of it feels very much like um some of the more more sort of like distinct pieces feel like uh sandman covers that kind of that's kind of oh, sort yeah. of like yeah yeah uh, but some of them are, are just like really intense uh, uh, intense surreal Im impressionistic pieces which yeah yeah uh, there's like um a, def a definite sort of aggression to some of the pieces that mm. i see that i've seen for the connection machine mm -hmm. which makes to me makes sense and, and carries a lot of the sort of themes and such yeah to, like, yeah sort of forefront of my mind yeah, well, that that game's just got a lot of. Uh, it's another wealth of different influences and and sort of ideas that that are worth exploring. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Just jumping around on my questions slightly. Oh, yeah. So you said you um, did you say you moved to Glasgow when you were going to uni, or have I made that up? Yeah, no, no, oh, that's yeah. that was that was my my. 
uh, like Tony Blair got into government, uh, he wanted to massage the unemployment figures, so lots of working class people got to go to uni. Woohoo! Uh, let's go run up some debt. And <laughs> that's, that, it works for me, it works for my sister, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what did you study um, at uni? I, 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 you I studied biochemistry and biotechnology, yeah. Did you have an idea oh, of what was what you were doing with that or what appealed to you about that at the time or um, was it sort of you know, I, the I, way out? I, 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 was, I was good enough at chemistry at school. I got good enough grades to get into that course. And it was in Glasgow where Glasgow Barrowlands is and I could go see music there. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love live music. I picked Glasgow purely on that basis. Glasgow's got like so much music going on. Um, all the time, every day. It's, uh, it's, uh, I just love the experience of going to see music live. Uh, and you can see things from like, there's gigs go going on in people's living rooms, right up to huge arenas, arena gigs going on. And for almost any, any style of music you could imagine, you can find it in Glasgow. So yeah, yeah that's, that's really cool that, i think yeah, probably that, when i was a teenager that was probably a, a factor even though i didn't necessarily consciously think of it at the time for how i ended up in london mm. do you feel that yeah, like but... what was what was biochemistry like it's very far away from anything Ooh. i have known about it's it was i i don't know i think i i enjoyed it but by the end of uh, but for, especially for the final year of it, I was just going through the motions. Uh, I kind of feel like the the steam, the steam and the impetus to get away had run out, and mm. I kind I kind of was a bit burned out by by that whole. I need I needed just some time to land and live, and so I kind of I kind of fluffed my final year. I could have done a lot better. I didn't didn't drop out or fail entirely, but it wasn't a wasn't very productive i think i had quite a sort of for someone who was doing their honors year at university i think i had quite a hedonistic time and um <laughs> and, and and i believe the time's pissed it all away uh <laughs> but, on one hand um but on on the other hand uh it was probably really fun it was really fun and it was really formative and i made lots of cool friendships and had some interesting times and seen lots of live music and did lots of things that i uh, have no regrets in having done yeah yeah i always i always think of my time uni as like oh i was very much a mess by the third year but also i'm like that was good mm -hmm. i i left a place i was not happy in i made friends discovered emotions uh switched mm -hmm. up switched up genders and like to me that makes mm -hmm. the whole thing worth it even if i'm like i could i didn't read the books in the last year <laughs> i was studying english <laughs> reading the books was like the only thing you were really supposed to do um but... yeah. I, I did i did the whole hmm hmm society is hypersexualizing me as a bisexual maybe i should lean into that some yeah ah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah yeah it's just like it was yeah i i think i i think going to uni was the right move for me it, it gave me the space 
and especially the breathing space for what was needed and it allowed me to to sort of like find myself a little more i know that's a bit hokey sounding but definitely definitely had a, a sort of like okay and that that carried on i don't i don't think i completely unpicked it just in my my four years at uni i think there was a lot more coming like for for the decades following you don't think but... you'd had your whole life solved at 22 <laughs> it's funny that eh? uh no but it gave it gave me a good a good platform to get on with it It, yeah probably probably like could have been given a lot earlier under other circumstances yeah there is there is always that um so what what kind of jobs did you end up doing after university (laughs) oh so uh i tried to get a few tech job uh biochem jobs i didn't really didn't really get into it um i worked as let's think well i was at university I, i'd done porter work and cleaning work and i'd done some after uni as well uh kitchen porter uh i went and worked call centers doing random call center work uh what else is there i'm sure i think on it uh yeah like even before uni, I was working. I worked for McDonald's as my first like real waged job. Mm. Um, it, it, like basically, that paid for me to get get moved through to Glasgow. Um, uh, yeah, and before that, actually, my very first job was working for my my uncle Ian, who had a taxi firm putting his business card with a taxi number on through people's letterboxes. Uh, me and another pal at high school would go up and down streets in Perth just putting it all in. And my un- we were so good at it. My uncle had, unbeknown to me, been chatting with my dad, being like, do you think do you think it's actually being done or are they just dumping these cards? Because they're, they're coming back and they're saying they've done like hundreds. And it's it seems a bit, it was a penny a card I'm getting paid, by the way. So, oh, is, right, right. <laughs> I'm not naming who who'd put put this me up to this because so but uh the, but it was like oh they, they're like getting like 20 30 quid a go and i'm you know, like oh let's see and then but then apparently a few days later they're like they were getting the areas that i said that we'd blitzed were getting like loads of calls coming from them so it's like yay i wouldn't i wouldn't stuff stuff my my, my family so yeah um if it'd been a a, a random boss then yeah probably half of them would yeah oh, yeah, yeah. Bed, yeah. But... fair enough <laughs> but um that's 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 the deal that's the official deal you do a bit half don't you um and then <laughs> but um yeah and then after that uh, i sort of uh i did tech work i ended up working for a big uh telecoms company doing their network stuff uh, and I worked for them for about 10 years before they decided to offshore the work or what 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 that really means is exploits people worse somewhere somewhere else in the world so yeah uh, after that I've been a full-time primary parent um, I've been a part-time counseling student recently uh, and I guess I'm a, a occasional games designer and artist these days, and and a, a bit of a troublemaker, all told. So, <laughs> yeah. So, do you think 
any of like these various different jobs do you feel like you carry some of those sort of influences with them whether it's noticing like oh how i'm explaining stuff has really been influenced by this or do you think in some cases it's more about um experiences and how you felt in these things that may have you know become part of part of you i, I think that yeah Sorry. Yeah, I think the experience of doing tech support where a lot of the time I'm talking to people who are like I'd be I'd be sat in the middle of people who have got a problem in their home and sort of open reach engineers who are out in the field trying to figure out what where problems are and having to, to convert very technical chat on one hand into very sort of understandable chat on the other, and then also deal with people with no technical knowledge and guide them through to do something quite technical and then and then sort of liaising backwards and forwards. Um, I think that has had a, an effect on how I approach my game's design because I feel like I, I try and sit down and when I'm designing the game and writing it, I try and think about it in terms of like we're sat down and we're what are we doing in what order when i'm actually wanting to play does the does this instruction manual this book the, the instruction manual part of it do do i do i feel do i really understand and feel it, it, how to play it because uh, I'm, I'm sure like anyone that started gaming in the sort of like 80s 90s that you would know and if you look back on some of the, the older role play books they're, they're just terrible for actually telling you how games played if so like some of them didn't know or some of them sort of there's this obligatory what is a role play game segment as if it's sort of like a, a disclaimer and then and then it just jumps into like like the mechanisms and a sort of like you've kind of i feel like a lot of like i'm i'm in my early 40s and i feel like oh, other no. gamers who sort of game the same length of time as me at my age we all uh, we're we're sort of like it's that that um airplane diagram of survivor bias mm. hey so this is the point where our recording got disrupted i can't exactly recall if someone was streaming something or if i just had a bad wi-fi moment but we got completely thrown so that's why that's an abrupt cut and then we come back and we pick up our place well enough from the next question being back now properly, uh, I guess the next question I did have on my list was, um, who was your first, like, how were you first introduced to RPGs? Was that through a person yeah. or? Kind of yes and kind of no. So um, from about the age of maybe eight-ish, I'd been playing fighting fantasy solo game books. You know, the, the go-to-page 400 to win yeah. sort of thing yeah 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 so it's basically uh, uh like uh steve jackson and ian livingston started um they also founded games workshop all that sort of good stuff and they doing this sort of like i've been playing these games and it's sort of like you roll dice and so it's got all the role play elements solo and then um or is it my cousin also played uh unbeknown to me was playing like other role play games he's like uh Three years older than me and playing role play games and war games and blood bowl and all sorts of things and so we were both being left at our at our granny's house 
uh, one afternoon. It was probably a, a holiday of some sort. And um, like, and so we're both there and he brings out this, this book called Dungeoneer. It's advanced fighting fantasy. And he's like, this is like your fight, fighting fantasy books, but I'll make up the story and you have to play it. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. So <laughs> like, I, I basically we played probably like an hour tops. It probably wasn't that long of like role play gaming, like tabletop role play game gaming with multiple people, like with me, me and him just playing. And, and I was hooked. And I think I borrowed that copy of Dungeoneer and then got in trouble because in the sample character sheet inside, I wrote a character. I just sort of like wrote down a character in ah. the copy. <laughs> and he was understandably annoyed at that because his little cousin had read his book. And, um, <laughs> um, like, well, I had all these lines for writing. Why would I not? I, I thought that's what it was for, and my mind, I was just so into it. I was like, real, really, really into it. And it was like, I'd been doing these solo books, but this was like something else entirely. And it just was like, I was like nine years old, and it just blew my mind. And like from there, I'd, he, I'd also been to his house a couple of times, and I'd seen all his sort of like miniatures and that sort of thing, and it was Games Workshop stuff. And I got into, uh, I got into, like, I bought Space Crusade for my, my, birthday uh, i got bought that and then had all these miniatures and i started painting them and and like that was it, it was just like a cavalcade of, of of geeky stuff from then on i was just like yeah do you still talk to your cousin um no we, we've kind of like it's weird though because we've kind of floated in different circles but i kind of feel like we have similar overlap because i know he's in the sort of like cent like east east central belt of Scotland probably around about Dundee somewhere and that he does like he's a noise musician sometimes and does like uh like has his own like music distro thing and some other stuff going on and art stuff and I do art stuff in the same place and I know loads of noise musicians and it's just <laughs> like one of these weird things that we've we never run into each other at all and. I, I kind of feel like we should, in some respects. I kind of it's just it's just a little unusual that we haven't, and maybe one day we will. Because like I was even up in Dundee, like one of my gate, like one of my games got turned into an art exhibit last last year. Oh, and that's so really cool. Yeah, it really was. It's amazing. Um, so surreal to see like the art that I'd made for uh, a game called BC New, like up like blowing up instead of on a, a sort of like. A four sort of landscape spread in in my little like self funded like kickstarted book. It's it was like blowing up into hu huge on walls like along inside a gallery in Dundee. So <laughs> and it was amazing because it was also like I got to like as a as a workshop sort of session got to run games for people just to come in and play the game with me and and sort of like engage with it on that sort of level as well so looking at the art the sort of like the the sort of themes of the game to do with digital surveillance and and sort of like uh like social control and then then actually talking about it in the aftermath of that well 
I can look across at the art on the wall. It was just, it was kind of, like, I was grinning all the time. It was surreal. Yeah, that sounds like a, a really fascinating and kind of mind-bending experience of, like, taking something into a completely different space, which yeah, yeah. sounds very fulfilling. Yeah, and it's it's definitely influenced where I'm going to take things in the future. Uh, I'm I'm putting together a proposal for funding, first to do a bit of re a research, six months of research into my, a game that I want to do down the line, but also like not just for myself, but pulling together a team that will include like a historian, a poet, like Julia on art. And then eventually I'm hoping to get like translators and musicians involved with it. So it won't only be, it won't just be like, I design a game, get the people to make the game, make the game, <clears throat> pardon me. It'll be, I get put together the arts funding proposals. We do some research, we come up with some ideas. We, we sort of feel out what we want this to maybe become and using that collaborative cooperative method that me and Julia have been using just ourselves and then after that sort of six months of research we then put in for like a year's full funding to, to like develop it as an exhibition that we can tour about Scotland and maybe even beyond and bring the sort of themes that will end up in the game but along with the artwork and music and, and a whole sort of a whole experience and I, I would never have I would never have actually had the 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 full uh, um, uh, idea to do that if, if I hadn't had the, the sort of like this experience with um, Neon Digital Arts based out of Dundee with um, one of their their sort of um, curators sort of just seen seen my game and said that would fit in at our, our in our next program would you want to collaborate and I was like yeah sure <laughs> I, I, I I thought like honestly the, the, um, it's just uh, uh, Sabrina there, she'd, she'd seen my, um, she was at Tabletop Scotland, a gaming convention up here, and I'd been given some table space by John Hodgson, who um, is the sort of person who created Handiwork Games. He's a sort of industry veteran artist, and he's he's super supportive to, to, other, to, to indie creators up in Scotland. Like, I can't, I can't say, like, I couldn't sing his praises enough, honestly. Him, him, and all the, all the sort of first wave from the nineties, all the sort of like folks who came up at the nineties and early two thousands, like do so much for folks who are just like making wee games that will never get published and you won't ever hear about. Like, but they'll support you on it and they'll tell you how to get it done and they'll tell you they'll, they'll give you every like piece of advice you ask of them, like without without any sort of bitterness or like it's brilliant. Anyway. He'd given me like a six foot table on his stall in the middle of the trade, uh, this trade area, like on, on a prime bit of location that he could have been flogging his stuff on um, for nothing. Really? He just said, he, he just messaged me and said, do you want some space for your games? And I was like, oh yeah, sure. And I thought I'll, I'll get this little like couple of feet a on a, a table. Yeah, yeah, like a couple of bit, and I'll get to be like there, and I'll get to flog my game. But I mean, and he's like, "That's your table there," and it's an island in the middle of like this big intersection, and everybody's coming past it, and he's just giving me like this prime, prime spot, and I'm like, "I don't, I don't, can't take digital payments, John." He's like, "That's fine, I'll do them for you." I'm like, "Oh, okay," and like I'm literally sold out everything I had in a single day. Um, 
but Sabrina came past the stall from Di Neon Digital Arts and they're an arts feminist arts collective who've been on the go for about 15 years they're based up out Dundee they have the they have a sort of like they, they help now help manage the Keeler Centre there which is an old indoor shopping centre that they've sort of been pulling some more art stuff into to try and help revitalize it and and sort of make it a bit more a more vibrant space that's more engaged collectively with the community rather than just a sort of, a sort of like half empty uh indoor indoor center that nobody that people use just to get from a to b rather than to go into for for its own sake so they, they, they basically sabrina said this the themes of this game sound exactly like the themes of our upcoming program and so would you like to like could we could we use your game in some way could we like collaborate in some way and i was just like yeah sure and i gave my email and you know that sort of thing that you might hear from someone a few months down the line or something or they, they were like oh mate, I, I thought that maybe they were like could we print up copies of your game i'm like yeah sure so i thought i'd send them like the actual design files for the game they'd print up some copies for themselves like there'd be a small print run that i didn't have to pay for that's fine yeah um yeah yeah i was like that's brilliant I, I do you want what do you want i've got all these files just pop them up take them download them do what you want with them i'm not fussed like um i, I released it under uh public domain license so anyone can do anything with it if they really want um but she's like no oh, this is brilliant this is perfect like that monday so that was sat saturday and that monday i get this email and it's like oh, i've been talking with the director neon donna and we want to do like this video call with you and we'll, we'll, so i get into a video call thinking oh, i wonder what it is like they just want to dot some i's cross some t's like right okay so um really love this and we're wondering would you be up for like having the art from it could you get that would that be possible to blow up and i'm like what sort of size I'm like well so it's big up on a wall i'm like yeah some of the graph some of the photos in it aren't vectored so it's gonna be i'll have to see how big i can make them but potentially i can rework them yeah that's fine I'm like that's great that's great okay so what we'll do is get all of those and we'll blow them up and this is what you'll get paid for it uh, what 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 okay and it's like it was like I, this is the real artist pay money i was like oh okay and it's like and here's a and we'll I, I in my head what i thought was going to happen is we'll print up some of your stickers because i did a sticker set with it we'll print up some of your books and we'll have a little a little stand at the edge of a gallery and it's like no no and it's like we'll have all this we'll print up your books we'll print up stickers and we'll, we'll get you in for doing this day of workshops and we'll get you up to be part of the program the, the whole program of events and it and i wrote for their website and it was a really really engaging and again a collective experience because they mm. they they've been running as a, a sort of and using like as a feminist collective for for like like I say, about 15, 16 years now. And so it was a really lovely supportive environment for someone who'd never dealt with the arts side of it. Um, I'm, I'm quite wary of becoming an arts queer. Um, <laughs> like, I, 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 I've had some negative experiences there in the past. So it's like, hmm, that's, that's what's bad. going on? But, but, but they, but like they were completely recovering arts queer. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah, that's really but, uh, like, it's like that feels really great to like have something embedded in a place and kind of like I don't know. It feels like it is 
bringing it more to um to to the community that's around that yeah um, yeah and, and dundee's yeah dundee's like the 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 big the big town over from perth so i i had like I, I, me and dundee have history as well so <laughs> it's 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 just really interesting it was interesting going back because um tabletop scotland is a convention that's held in perth it's oh, a central right. location and so it's interesting a lot of my friends from like high school or just after high school or that sort of thing were, were coming by the stall and and it was nice to see them and, and say like i'm i'm at, I'm doing I'm doing this I'm doing the game design thing I'm, I'm actually doing the nerd thing that I was doing back at high school like 30 years on and tw- like 20 <laughs> 30 years on and um yeah and uh yeah so that was kind of interesting as a sort of like triumphant homecoming kind of um <laughs> and but also like working with like people who are who had the same sort of collective uh collective outlook and and sort of like the same sort of, a lot of the same ideals and it was really lovely to do that and that was like okay and then it was sort of just mentioned oh you can maybe do this like is there any way you could get funding for your things rather than just the kickstarting methods like using like working with creative scotland working with other arts outlets and because it's definitely and I, I can yeah i'm so i'm going to give that a shot i've got a big big a bigger view for a project and so rather than asking silly money on kickstarter i think i could put it together as an exhibition with a, a workshop component and it's it's going to, going to be called time of tribes and it's like this big big project that's always been kicking up in the back of my mind as a sort of like uh, a modern a modern retelling of, of sort of like celtic myth and fantasy sort of oh sick yeah so the sort of the, the sort of underlying premise is that like they're like 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 celtic and northern european sort of like mythologies back in the the iron age were the tales that were told to talk about society either to talk about what was happening or some history that they shared or to talk about the ideals that they had or the the sort of hopes and dreams they had or the worries or the fears and so what if we were to take the structures and ideas and some of the characters of those mythologies and those like and then talk about them what what if we use those as the trappings to talk about current situations current events like if we're talking about ecological collapse if we're talking about uh, the rise of the far right if we're talking about the uh, like liberatory politics if we're talking about um like the the sort of like uh, refocusing how we think about gender and sexuality like what would that look like through the lens of celtic mythology like northern northern celtic mythology so scots irish maybe some like icelandic and scandinavian influence what what would it look like because when you turn on and see like viking like fiction these days it's all very much like tits and blood isn't it so Mm. let's what what could it look like if we're talking about like more more sort of contemporary issues through that lens and i think that would be interesting to see the art that comes out of that to hear the music that comes along with it um and and also the game that i want to write about it it's is it kind of yeah yeah 
it sounds like a really interesting project that needs that needs collaboration to be what it should yeah. be. Yeah, that's really and cool. It's got, it's a, yeah, huge, huge range of sort of, and so the yeah, drawing from that sort of mythological influence is definitely a, a well, a wellspring, I think. Yeah. Am I, am I wrong in saying that one of the influences listed for like Lolai Dead Red Emperor Empire that was a yeah, which has got the title okay. which I've otherwise got free right like four or five times in this already. But am I Fine. correct in saying that on the it shortly on on the kickstarter page maybe yeah. you mentioned that like yeah. perceptions of the um forces of undeath there were influenced by celtic yeah. mythology as well yeah, yeah yeah because because in celtic myth like something being undead wasn't necessarily always going to be like like get out your holy water and banish the thing it's sometimes you you'd run across someone and they died and they just want to tell you something or it's got it's got greater meaning. It's like talking about the the pain of of like dealing with mourning and death, or it's talking about trying to put right something that you've done wrong with the environment around you, or it could be there could be some great or or the person could just be dead. You just happen to run. You 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 went you were lost in the mist a while you happen to run across some people who actually died a while back they're kind of undead they're kind of not we don't know and then you kind of keep going and so i i brought some of that into into the game itself because it like all the forces that all the forces that are are not really really nasty are all undead and that's still kind of kind of gribbly and grimdark but Mm. yeah that's really interesting. I was going to now just go into some different questions, um, I guess specifically about like your process and then also some specific questions about your work. One thing I like to ask almost like as a, an opener is like, what kind of reading do you think you do that informs your writing? And I guess I both mean this in the sense of, in terms of content, but also mm -hmm. I wonder if you have ever thought on your sort of, if you have any thoughts on like your authorial voice or your approach to to prose and where you feel that might have um, what that might be drawing on or or molded by oh definitely um uh, i guess in in terms of fiction definitely the the sort of like the new wave science fiction and fantasy authors play a, a huge role in in my sort of like the things I like to read and also how I, I like to try and write, um, like, so especially like Ursula Le Guin, um, Michael Moorcock, um, late authors, like maybe into the, the weird fiction, like China Mauville, uh, that, that kind of thing really, really plays into like, there's an essay by a very short essay by Ursula Le Guin talking about the responsibility of, of young, young and new writers that, even if you try and ignore that the fact you, you can ignore this you can ignore the fact as much as you want but what you're writing has has meaning and import it change it changes and shapes the world in some way and it interacts with that the world around it and so we can't be it, it would it, it would be lax of us, or, or it's it's important that we we understand that when we're we're putting 
putting our words to paper, I think is the, the general gist of it, if I remember correctly. And so I, I, I kind of feel that when I sit down to write a game, it sort of ties in with the, the sort of like the, the those all that sort of um that sort of indie games designer the sort of early two thousands wave of like what's your game about? How is it about that? What does it reward and and what does it, it, it punish? And like how how does it do all this? Like how is it about this thing? What is the underlying theme? And all my games that I've put out like gen even the the sort of small sort of almost frivolous games um in the recent Edinburgh Gamers sort of uh, anthology zine that we put out, like I've got a little game called Tiny Spaceship. And it's sort of like a batteries not included, kind of kind of sort of like fun little, like kids TV, little spaceship comes down to earth and is exploring the place kind of little game. But that comes out of also, it's sort of also talking about, um, people who aren't able to, to properly communicate how you find common ground, how you find collaboration and and, and how you uh, can mutually aid each other, act in a, a sort of solidarity. You both need different things and are asking for things in a different way. But you kind of find your way and muddle through and it, it can be sort of, it can be confusing at times and you can have like bus stops at times. But then if you've got the right, it, any anything that is broken could be could be fixed like we can't be right all the time and we can't be perfect all the time but we can kind of figure it out regardless if we've got the right the right attitude towards it if we come at it with the the right sort of outlook yeah that's probably been a, a bit of bell hooks got thrown into that the creation of that one without me realizing that also, it. Makes, that also makes a lot of sense yeah yeah. So, yeah, so a lot of political writing. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, no, go on on political writing. I was just going to say, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. So, yeah, probably just thinking on bell hooks, but also like a lot of sort of um, like like uh, black feminists, like a lot of the, the sort of like uh, early anarchist communist texts, right up, up to modern stuff, a lot of the prison abolitionist texts sort of like are, are really... Uh, like uh, I think so well written in a sort of understandable way they're not jargony or theory they've got they open up the ideas without hiding them behind jargon in a way that I think is really accessible and even sort of like uh sort of more sort of early 20th century texts early half of the 20th century things like Emma Goldman or, or Erico Malatesta that stuff doesn't read badly today and you're like it's so weird because if you go into, say, a, a sort of lefty bookshop, even just your, your Watsons or whatever, and you pick up the go to politics section, pick up so many of them are like somebody's PhD that has just been put into book form and it's a bit too dense and it, it's jargony. <laughs> and then even even the other direction, you can go into to sort of some posts online. And I, I'm not disparaging of Tumblr. So I've got a lot of political like chat going on. that's actually really interesting. But some of it can be like, written in this sort of like pseudo French philosophy sort of jargon-esque sort of way and it's just like why is that happening um so yeah. they definitely influenced me because it's it's sort of like we're back to that thing when you asked about my work and how it affected my writing and I was 
talk before we got cut off talking about <laughs> how yeah yeah how how um how that that sort of translation of sort of like technical jargon into to everyday uh functional way of doing something but also doing it in a way that the person can follow and and, and understand I, I feel like a lot of writing i've done that's outside the game sphere has been political writing and it's always been taking like really really badly written in my my estimation or at least it's written for an academic audience who who understand this jargon like some judith butler like 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 that that taking some of the their sort of like most jargonous jargonistic writing and then and then parsing that into a way that because me parsing it for myself learning to understand it but then re-communicating that in a way that could be understood far more simply like i don't think there's any philosophy that that can't be communicated in that style i don't think there's anything that couldn't be put across in a, a relatable way and sometimes you need a special word for something but you can say what's going on with it and yeah and that's that yeah. and that definitely goes back into role play game design doesn't it because uh, yeah i was i was wondering if that if you're you know, feelings about jargon also affect how you choose to engage with that area of stuff when it comes to to games which often yeah because they're writing for an audience who have a similar familiarity in the way academics are writing for mm -hmm. for specific audiences rather than general ones falls uh, back on a lot always, of jar yeah. jargon or shared capital yeah i i always write my games uh, like I, I mentioned before the the what is a role play game section does not appear in any of my games um and will never um, I, I basically write it as in somebody picks up this game and they may have some experience, they may have no experience, they might have been gaming longer than I have, and it shouldn't matter. They should be able to play my game. Like, here's the game. And and some folks will go, oh, you're being prescriptive and, and telling folks how to play the game and blah, blah. And it's like, well, no, I'm not, because I'm not turning up at someone's door. Like, bang, bang, bang. Hey, I hear you in there. Bang, bang, bang. That isn't how the dice roll works. Bang, bang, bang. It's just not. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like, people will hack and change and modify what I put out there. I expect them to. Um, not the thought police. And I don't I don't pick up any other role play game and, and sort of go, oh, no. Like, I want to play it the way, kind of how the author intended, because I want to see I might learn something or or see something that just reading the rules doesn't give me, but yeah. how the author intended is, isn't isn't a prescriptive or a rigid thing because I'm interpreting what's been written, and so that's going to cause like a, a, like what what you're imagining a beetle in a box being isn't maybe what I'm imagining the beetle in the box looking like. So we'll we'll figure it out somehow. It's it's definitely uh. A, like interpretation of art and then recreating our own art this end so yeah I and i expect like people to do the same one you can think almost of the act of playing a game and attempting to to hew to a dine it's attempting to interpret and i don't know engage with the designer's intention is a lot in the same way if you are playing a role as an actor almost you would engage with a script and presumably think mm -hmm. about the intention, but also that's all prone to interpretation as well, in the same way. Yeah. I don't know if yeah, that metaphor yeah, makes sense or not. 
it makes it makes sense i think it's got like gaming's got its own unique angle on that um but definitely i don't i i i've just seen this debate always coming up because you you've got like you've got folks who think that especially at when there was the early 2000s indie boom and, and some of the things and, and so since that point onwards there's been like a, an, a constant buzz of like oh, oh I don't like this game or that game because it's it's too pre- prescriptive I don't un- like and it's like it, it, how can it be prescriptive like you can change it you can just change it it's fine like that's one of the joys of this this type of gate this type of like entertainment is that we kind of are sat down in a room with our pals and it's about the conversation we're having and the rules are there as a way of taking that conversation in new and interesting directions and then us picking it back up and seeing how it carries on and that cycle i don't think there's a a role play game whether it's a solo game dungeons and dragons or like the weirdest indie that doesn't even have an itch page it's so obscure I don't think there's a game that that doesn't have that as as some some way the loop there's like something you're doing to create some form of narrative there's something that the game brings to it that to shape that and then you carry on from that shape like and maybe there's only one spin spin of the wheel on that or maybe you just keep doing that until you've your group falls apart or maybe there's a definitive part where the game says and now the story ends or where the people yeah. decide now the story ends and that's that's yeah it's beautiful yeah and this really it's there's something unique there or maybe mm. well or maybe there is something to that in all art in its own different way actually yeah um, yeah do you thinking i guess about different mediums and stuff there's you know, times you're, I guess, explicitly engaging with influence. Do you ever notice something where you only look back on it in retrospect and go, mm-hmm. oh, that was definitely influenced by this other medium? Oh, yeah, probably, like, loads. There's, there's probably moments where the, most of my games where I've tried to look back and thought, oh, obviously this film that I didn't recognise at the time played into it more than I thought, or, like, the, the like, the some of the, the sort of underpinning ideas like um with the the connection machine i was like uh I, it was only after i'd like finished the kickstarter so i'd already done like a, a first draft a second draft play test um I, I i it's been out there niche for like months at that point it's it's I, I'm, I'm working away at it i'm like oh yeah solaris this is this is actually hugely influenced by by that film and it's like and like not in some small way in like a very fundamental that 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 film has all the same themes i'm going for in a lot of ways it takes them slightly differently and i'm i'm like oh okay that's that's uh that's a big thing (laughs) so yeah yeah (laughs) it was it was kind of a of course it did but I didn't consciously recall. I d- didn't consciously bring that into it. And there were loads of influences with the connection machine I was bringing in. I'm, I'm, I mentioned I'm training as a counselor at the moment, and so that came in really heavily to the the design. But also a lot of science fiction and and a lot of musical 
musical references appear like in the in in, a, in amongst the game itself and the mechanics and how it's played and its structure um so yeah yeah so that is where we are going to cut this week's episode when we come back next week we'll pick things up and talk more about the specific inspirations and processes behind the connection machine be seeing you and low like dread empire Ordinarily, one of the last things I ask about a guest is where people can find them online, and it does feel unfair to not include that information in this episode, just because Tanya wasn't aware I was going to end up splitting it in two. So you can find them on Twitter and itch.io at Time of Tribes. You can also find me um, in lots of places. Check socials.ratwave.uk for a big directory. And yes, I will see you on the next episode of This Is Your Life Path, so stay chill.